0: Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we begin a new series, Into the Book of Isaiah, by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message.
1: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn, do something for me. I want you to turn to any of the Gospels, any one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, I want you to turn to the very first page of that gospel, and hold your hand there. I'll show you something about that in just a moment. Whichever gospel you have, I want you to look at the very first page of it, and your Bible would say this usually, the gospel according to John, the gospel according to Matthew, or maybe it just says the gospel of John, or the gospel of Matthew. I want to tell you what that tells us. We are a blessed people, Amen. Now, here's why we're so blessed. We're blessed because we live on this side of the cross. And we have the opportunity of seeing the whole story. We have the opportunity of knowing exactly who Jesus was and and tells us all about what Jesus did, revealing that he's the son of God, tells us how he died on the cross, didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he rose again, ascended to the father, and one day is coming back again to get us. Amen? And that is a wonderful blessing thing, and you ought to thank God every day that you were born when you were born. That you're born on this side of the cross and that you have the opportunity of being able to see and understand and hold in your hand the story of Christ and the story of the gospel. You know, I started thinking about that, how blessed we are. And I started thinking about something that that the the first century church and, and the apostles, whenever they were first saved, when they began to go around and share the gospel, they didn't have the New Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written at that time. In other words, they couldn't go out and preach and say, I'm going to preach to you out of the gospel of John. Or they couldn't preach out of the end of the epistles. For they had not been written at that time. They were yet to be written. And as they were written, then they became instruments in their hand. But but that first group of apostles, that first group of disciples, those people who went out to preach Jesus, to teach Jesus... They didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. All they had in their hand was the Old Testament. And through that Old Testament scripture, they preached and they taught about Jesus. A few weeks ago in our D-Life group that meets on Friday mornings at Cracker Barrel, about 6 o'clock every Friday morning, we have to be going through the, that particular week, Isaiah. And one man, as he was sitting across the table from me, he was talking about Isaiah, especially the passage we'll be focusing on the next few weeks, Isaiah 53. He made this statement. He says, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And that just grabbed hold of my heart. I'd, I was finishing up on, on James and practical Christianity, and I was wondering exactly where the Lord wants to go. And, and whenever he said that, God grabbed hold of my heart regarding that. And he said, you know, that is exactly the truth that this is the gospel, that the Old Testament gospel is presented there in Isaiah, and in Isaiah 53, and that's the gospel that the people of the first century held in their hand in what they used to preach. And so it, it touched my heart to, to think about this. What would you do, and what would I do, if we didn't have the New Testament what do we do if we didn't have the Gospel of John or the Gospel of matthew or, or, or we didn't have john three sixteen or, or we didn't have that old Roman road? you remember the roman road roman three twenty three they were all sinners six twenty three you know all those Romans ten thirteen that we all learned and, and whenever we go to share the gospel of Christ, we share the gospel from the New Testament. What if we didn't have the New Testament? What if all we had was was the Old Testament. What if all we had is is the very same thing that those first century believers had whenever they began to go out there and talk about Jesus Christ? What if we didn't have the New Testament? All we had was that, that Old Testament. Could we share the gospel of Christ? Think about that yourself right now. If you didn't have some of those favorite passages for you in the New Testament, and you had a friend or a family member who needed to know how to be saved Could you take the Old Testament, any part of that Old Testament, could you take it and help them to understand and show them how to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That grabbed hold of my heart. And therefore, it convicted me that I want you to know how to do that. I I want you to know how to be able to share the gospel from the Old Testament. I want you to be able to, to take the Word of God that The first century church had, and to be able to go through that and help somebody understand how they can be saved and that Jesus is the Messiah that they had hoped for and that He is the fulfillment of all those prophecies. I want you to be able to do that and understand that and share that. And so God grabbed hold of my heart and carried me to Isaiah, and especially to Isaiah 53. And He's parked me there, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about. The gospel according to Isaiah. So I want you to go in your Bibles, turn to the first page of Isaiah, all right? If you write in your Bible, if you don't write in your Bible, that's okay. But if you write in your Bible, I want you to go to the very first page of of Isaiah, and I want you to write across that first page there in Isaiah, the gospel according to Isaiah. All right? I want you to write, because that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about this aspect that there is the gospel. And that gospel can be presented in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And I want you to be equipped. I want you to be able to understand the passages. I want you to be able to grab hold of those truths. And therefore, from that point on, you could share the gospel if you don't have the New Testament in your hand. It's amazing how Isaiah, in in regard to his prophecy... 700 years before christ 700 years before jesus ever comes on the scene he paints a picture of jesus in so many ways he paints a picture of jesus and he paints a picture not only of how he would come but how he would die and what his death would do for us and i want you to see that now you might ask the question why isaiah of all of the books in the Old Testament, 39 of those books, why would I choose Isaiah? It's a good question. I want you to write down a few things about that. Here's the first reason. first reason I would choose Isaiah is because Isaiah is quoted more than any Old Testament prophet in the New Testament. Especially he is quoted when it comes in relationship to the Messiah to the coming of the Messiah, to who would be the Messiah, to how you would identify the Messiah, to talk about what Jesus was going to do and what Jesus was going to fulfill, Isaiah is quoted more than any other prophet. In every one of the gospels and in almost all the epistles and certainly in the book of acts You see that he is quoted time and time again Because it's like god just is using isaiah in his ministry to paint a beautiful picture Of what the messiah would be like so that nobody could miss him Even though they do miss him So he's quoted more than anyone else The second thing is this I want you to look at luke turn to the gospel of luke chapter 4 Luke chapter 4. The second reason I want to use Isaiah is because when Jesus begins his public ministry in Luke chapter 4, it's what he quoted from. Isn't that interesting? That when Jesus is about to begin his public ministry, what passage of scripture is he going to quote from? Verse 17 of chapter 4 of Luke. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. And he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Go on. He has sent me to proclaim and release to the, ca- release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This is Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. This is what it says next. And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant. He sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he says, Today, the Messiah has come. Today, I am the one. But you can't make that any clearer. As he begins his public ministry, he quotes from Isaiah to say this is the fulfillment of all that has been said by Isaiah or any other of the prophets of old. That there is yet a Messiah who is coming who is going to make a difference in the world and that has been fulfilled. So if Jesus chooses to pick out Isaiah and a passage from Isaiah to be the very calling card for the beginning of his ministry, I think Isaiah is a good place for us to start. A third reason, it is how Mark, turn to the gospel of Mark, very first part of Mark. is how Mark begins his gospel by quoting from Isaiah, Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your your face who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. As he begins his gospel, he quotes from Isaiah. Not only does Mark do that, but also, Matthew, the first quotation that Matthew gives out of the Old Testament is from the book of Isaiah. The first statement that John gives, reflecting back on prophecy, is from Isaiah. It is only Luke that has two other prophets named before Uh, It is Isaiah, and, and it all happens within the first two chapters. In other words, what I want you to understand is every one of those writers of the gospel, every one of those who are telling the story of Jesus, they all land with Isaiah because Isaiah is so prevalent in the fact that he talks about the Messiah. He talks about the one who's coming. He talks about that Savior. He talks about that deliverer. He shares so very much that it is quoted, and Mark says as he begins his gospel, it's Isaiah who has pointed us to this one who is the Messiah, talking about Jesus. Then there are specific quotes in the book of Isaiah. You're going to need to turn to Isaiah for just a moment, and I want you to see how many things that you've heard about Jesus, maybe at Christmas time or at Easter time, but things you've heard about Jesus coming from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Listen to what it says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. How did we know that the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin, that he would be a holy seed, that he'll be conceived by a virgin? He is not of the seed of man. He's the seed of God. 700 years before he is ever born, it is told that there's going to be a miraculous event that takes place, that God is going to send his seed and place it in this virgin woman who has never known man and therefore coming out of her will be the holy seed the child of God how do you know that's going to happen Isaiah seven fourteen. but that's not all listen to what else it says and she will call his name Emmanuel how many of us know that he is Emmanuel which means what God with us. How did we know that he is going to be God with us? When the angel comes and announces, says he will be the Emmanuel. He's going to be God with us. How do we know that Jesus is the Messiah when it says it? Because in Isaiah seven fourteen, he tells us that. That's not all. Look at Isaiah chapter 9. All of you have heard this scripture before, but it tells us about Jesus, about the Messiah. Listen, verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. How is the Messiah going to come? Is he going to be dropped out of the sky, land on some mountain, or land in some palace as a grown man, and he is just going to be the Messiah? That No, it says right there how we're going to have the Messiah. He's going to come as a child. He's going to be born into this world. A son will be given to us. Not only that, it says... How do we know that? How do we understand that about Jesus? Because Isaiah wrote it. He recorded it. Look at Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. We know that he's coming from the seed of Jesse. He's going to be of the lineage of Jesse. In other words, of David's family. Jesse was David's father. It says, verse 1, Then a shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and street, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord and will not judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ear hears. For the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. How do we know that whenever he is baptized that day and the spirit of God comes like a dove and rests upon him, how do we know that that is going to be a sign Of the Messiah. How do we know that that's the anointing of Him and that is God revealing, this is my Son, this Messiah? Because in Isaiah, He says that the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon Him. He will be out of the root of David. He will come from the seed of Jesse. How do we know that? Because Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before that time, He reveals that to us. What about? Isaiah 61, turn there for just a second. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted and has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. That's another prophetic passage, messianic passage, right? There's so many more. There's Isaiah 35, there's Isaiah 40, and there is ultimately Isaiah 53. In other words, all of these passages in Isaiah point to the coming Messiah, point to the fact that he will be coming. We should not miss him. A fifth reason, though, that I want to use Isaiah is because when John the Baptist, you remember when John the Baptist, he had proclaimed Jesus, baptized and proclaimed that he is the Lamb of God. But you remember what happened to John after that? John was arrested, you remember? He was placed in prison. And here, even though John was filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, it doesn't mean you don't struggle. Amen? Is that possible? You can be a believer and still struggle. Amen? For those of you who are asleep, you need to wake up. You can still be a believer, spirit-filled, and have struggles. That's truth. Well, old John had a struggle. He's been placed in prison. He'd baptized Jesus. He's wanting Jesus to come and set things right. He wanted him to be the one coming on the white horse to conquer Rome and to set the Jews free. But all he had seen is four walls and a prison and the threat of dying. When he sends his disciples and he says to Jesus, are you the one? (laughs) Even though he had baptized him, seeing the Holy Spirit come upon him, proclaimed him as the Lamb of God, now in that state he says, are you the one? Are we to look for another? And what does Jesus say? He quotes, he quotes from Isaiah's prophecy. And he says, go and tell him that the blind see, that the broken are mended, that those who are held captives are being set free. Go and tell John. Tell John what? Tell him the word of God. Tell him the word of Isaiah, the prophet, that I am doing what the Messiah is to do. And when they go back and tell John, then John rests in his spirit. Because he knows that Jesus is that Messiah. And what did Jesus do? He quoted from Isaiah to tell him why and what he was doing. That he was fulfilling that purpose and fulfilling that plan. One other reason I'll tell you we're going to use Isaiah. It's found in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 verses 32 through 35. It's the story of Philip, a deacon. Philip, a deacon who was preaching the word of God and God told him to get up and go to a desert land, go out to a desert road. You remember that story? And he goes out to that desert road and whenever he's there, he encounters coming in a chariot an Ethiopian eunuch. And the spirit of God tells him to go up to the chariot. So he goes up to the chariot. When he comes up to the chariot, he hears the Ethiopian eunuch who has been worshiping God in Jerusalem has come back and he is reading scripture. You know what he's reading? He's reading the prophecy of Isaiah. <laughs> he's reading the prophecy of Isaiah and Philip asks him said, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And the Ethiopian says, "How can I unless someone would explain it to me?" And Philip gets up in the chariot with him and he begins to teach him and preach to him the gospel. He teaches and preaches to him about who it is the Messiah, is taught the prophet is talking about, and who this Messiah might be. And he points him to Jesus through the preaching and teaching of Isaiah. And whenever they come to some water, that Ethiopian says this, based on what you said, can I be baptized? And he said, yes, you can be baptized if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Are really, saying, if you believe that what Isaiah said about the Messiah, the coming Messiah, if you will believe that Jesus Christ is that coming Messiah, then you can be baptized. And he said, I believe. He takes him in the water and he baptizes him. All of that through the preaching, teaching, the word of Isaiah. So can you understand why, if we were to pick one particular book, one particular passage, one particular place in the Old Testament that we want to be able to share the gospel of Christ from that Old Testament, do you understand why we would pick Isaiah? What better book to pick than the book of Isaiah? But Instead of us covering all of Isaiah, you say, well, you've already covered that this morning. No, we haven't even started. We're just, this is introduction, okay? Instead of us looking at all of those passages in Isaiah, I want to focus in on just one passage. And I want to spend some weeks going through that passage and just opening that up and letting us see how this passage so presents Jesus so clearly. From his birth, through his death, through his salvation. And that particular passage is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. We're going to be focusing in on that passage. All right? Now, let me tell you why. How many of you would, if you, were, if you were going to share the gospel, you might would start with the gospel of John. John is a great place to start. Matter of fact, if you have somebody who's searching out there wanting to know about salvation and wanting to learn about Jesus and, and wanting to discover they're a seeker and they're really seeking for God the best thing you can tell them is is go read in the Gospel of John. Just read the Gospel of John. Don't try to understand. Just read through the Gospel of John. That's, That's the best gospel that you can take to go through as far as leading a person to Christ. But in the midst of the Gospel of John, there is a particular verse that is probably the most favorite verse in the Bible. And if there is one verse that you know, In the Bible, it is usually this verse. It is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Why do we love that verse so much? Because that one verse summarizes everything you need to know and do to be saved. Amen? And it's a whole lot easier for me to remember one verse than it is 22 chapters. It's a easier for me to grab hold of something that I, can, that I can hold on to that summarizes it all so I can put it in my heart and my mind. And that's why John three sixteen is so important. Well, that's what Isaiah 53 is going to be for us. Isaiah 53 is going to be our John 3.16. Isaiah has 60 some odd chapters. We're not going to go through all 60 some odd chapters. But we're going to take chapter 53. And chapter 53 is 12 verses. 12 verses but almost every phrase in those verses Point to Jesus. Picture Jesus. Reveal what Jesus is going to be like. So that if you and I grab hold of that particular passage, we'll understand Isaiah 53, then we're going to be able to clearly present the gospel of Christ. Clearly present the gospel just from Isaiah 53, all right? So we're going to spend our time over the next few weeks... Focusing in on Isaiah 53. So go ahead and turn there. If you would this morning, we're going to get started. And I want you to be in Isaiah 53. Okay, this is what I want you to do in regard to it. I need you to write this down, okay? If you want this study, and it's going to to take us about eight or nine weeks probably to get through these these, uh, verses in, in Isaiah 53. But if you really want it to be meaningful to you, I'm going to ask you to do a few things, all right? Here's the first thing. I want you to read this chapter every week. At least every week you need to read the chapter, all right? I mean, that's 12 verses. How many of you, how many of you can handle 12 verses? Can you do that? All right. I don't know. If you're in third grade level, I, I, I think you can still get those 12 verses in a week. Can you handle that? I think you can. I want you to read that every week. Now, you, now, you're not going to do that. You're not going to do that unless you set a time. Okay, on Wednesday, uh, in my quiet time Wednesday, I'm, I'm reading that. Or, or Wednesday at noon, I'm going to read that. I, I'm going to have some time. I'm going to read it. Every, why should you read it? Because you're taking that Word of God and you're putting it in your heart and your mind. You're just taking that Word of God, putting in your heart and mind. And, and let's say in 9 or 10 weeks, you've read that 9 or 10 times, just 12 verses. So much of that is going to be grabbed by your heart. Here's the second thing, though. I want you to meditate on the verses for that particular week. In other words, what we have talked about, what we have shared about, I want you to meditate on those verses or that particular verse that week, okay? You say, you want us to do meditation? I sure do. (laughs) Meditating on God's Word is good. I do not want you to just meditate with an open mind. I don't know about you, but meditation with an open mind does me no good at all because the old devil likes to fill it up with all kind of junk, all right? So I don't just meditate out here in an open mind. I try to meditate on something that's going to benefit me, which is the Word of God. And what meditating is, is just thinking that Word over and over again. It's just thinking about that. It literally is to try to digest that. One good way to meditate on a word is take a phrase and emphasize every word of that phrase in different sentences. The first word, then the second word, the third word, fourth one. You emphasize every word of that particular phrase, put it in your mind, you think about it, you'll be amazed at how your thought process will happen. But you are to meditate on that and think about that in your mind. Here's the third thing, all right? Seek to remember or find where that prophecy about Jesus is fulfilled. In other words, everything we're going to talk about, about this prophecy of the Messiah, it's going to be fulfilled in Jesus. So this is what I want you to do. Try to find out in your reading, in your understanding of the gospel, where does that happen? Where did that take place? Well, whenever he said this is going to happen, when did that take place or how did that place? You do some thinking on your own and you try to put that picture together of when this prophecy is said, whenever Isaiah said saying is going to happen, how was that fulfilled with Jesus? How was that fulfilled with Jesus? That's a little mental exercise that you need to do, but it'll be good for you. And here's the final thing. As we go through this. Work to be able to present the gospel according to Isaiah 53. That's the goal. The goal is that when we're finished, you can feel confident that if somebody came to you and needed to know how to be saved, you could take Isaiah 53 and you could walk through Isaiah 53 revealing to them that Jesus is this Messiah. This is what he did. This is how he paid your price. This is how you can be forgiven of sin. Have in your heart and in your mind how to present the gospel using just Isaiah 53. You got it? Four things you have to do. It'll be a benefit for you if you're going to learn how to do it. Now, I want you to focus on just the first phrase this morning because this is very, very important. Listen what it says in verse 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Listen to what he says. Who has believed our message or our report? That is where Isaiah begins, chapter 53. And you know why it's so important? Because he is focusing on a central truth of whether it would be Old Testament time or New Testament time, there is a central truth that whether it was the Israelites or whether it would be the New Testament era people who would read, the, read this prophecy, this is still central to everything. Now, listen to me just a second. When Isaiah is, is teaching this, when he's writing this, when he's proclaiming this, he has two audiences. There are two audiences. One of those audiences is Israel. The nation of Israel, the people of God, the chosen people of God. And he is proclaiming to them the promises and the prophecies of God. And one of the things he wants Israel not to miss is he does not want them to miss the Messiah. He does not want them to lose out on Messiah. They've been hoping for it, waiting for him, dreaming for him. He does not want them to miss it. That's the first audience. But the second audience is for the New Testament era, for us, for us today. See, that prophecy of Isaiah is not just for Israel. It's for you and for me. It was to help us to see and understand who Jesus is and that he is the Messiah. And so here is Isaiah. He is caught in time, and he's dealing with the people of that day as well as people in his future some 700 years later whenever the church is going to be established and Jesus ushers in the new testament era he's dealing with two groups of people but he says this it is of central importance it is of ultimate truth that you understand that faith and belief is essential hear what he said who has believed our message? I like it better in King James. Who has believed our report? You know what he means by report? He's simply saying this. This is not of me. This is not of me. I'm not writing this. I'm not telling you this. It's not created in my mind. All I am is reporting what God has told me. This is what God has told me, and I am reporting that to you. Now, it is up to you that you must believe. You must believe what has been reported. You must believe what I am sharing. The essence and centrality of wherever you are in Old Testament or New Testament era, there is the importance of believing. You have to believe. We are saved by grace through faith. We have to believe. And here's what Isaiah says. Who has believed our report? And the way that's structured in Hebrew it's the idea of this is, is someone going to believe our report? Because he understood that Israel wanted to reject his message. They wanted to reject what he was saying, that Israel was not receiving his word. And if they would not receive his word and would not believe and have faith in his word, that they would be lost and that they would ultimately be destroyed and that they'd be carried off into bondage. He knew that and he's begging for them to believe. You must believe my report not only for Israel in regard to their future, but also Israel in regard to Messiah. Don't miss the Messiah. Don't miss the Messiah. Don't miss the Messiah. That's what he's saying. But you know what Israel did? They missed the Messiah. Most of them have missed the Messiah. I have been to Israel and I have talked to a guide who was a he was a Jew, but not a believer. And he was a great guide. He'd tell you all kinds of things about the Bible and tell you all things about Israel. But he did not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when asked, why have you not accepted Jesus? He said, because my Messiah is going to be the one who brings peace. And there is no peace in Israel. For see, he has failed to understand what Isaiah reported, that his Messiah was not only one who was going to come with victory, but first he had to be a suffering servant to pay the price for sin. And in that man's life, what Isaiah had prayed, what he had asked, who will believe my report, he did not believe it. And the Jews, by and large, have not believed his report. But hold on a second. There's a second audience, and that's the audience of the New Testament era. New Testament era, when we're living on this side of the cross and we know what's happening, the Gospels affirm what he has said in his prophecy. But Isaiah, as though he's looking through time, he is saying, Who will believe my report in that day? Almost expecting and understanding that the greatest majority of people will not accept that report, that message, that truth of the Gospel. And isn't that true? Yes, it is. is. Do the majority of the people of the world in this era, in this time, tell, do the majority of people accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? The answer to that is no. Most people do not accept Isaiah's report. They do not accept even the confirmation of the gospel message and the reality of Jesus' presence They reject that. For most people, the majority, Isaiah, within his heart, is saying, who and almost why will you not believe the report? For the report is that God cares for you, and God sends a Messiah to die for you. Will you believe the report? Well, my friend... That's the essence of his message. And he's going to be telling us why we ought to believe that report and why we ought to understand that. But I'm here to tell you today that you ought to believe his report. You ought to believe his report. You ought to believe what the gospel said. You ought to believe everything about Jesus. And you ought to respond to the gospel today. Not tomorrow. Not the next day. You are not guaranteed that day. You are not guaranteed the next breath in your body. But if you in your heart know and understand that you are without Christ and you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior and you do not know where you would spend eternity. If you died this moment, you do not know where you spend eternity. You need to give your heart to Jesus. For see, the report of Isaiah confirmed by the New Testament writers but confirmed by thousands of people and hundreds of thousands of people who have given their heart to Christ is that what he said is true. That Jesus is the Messiah. He died for your sin And he can redeem you. He wants to redeem you. And based on those testimonies, what will you do with Jesus? Will you give your heart to Christ? I hope and pray that you will, even today. Even today would be the day that you'd say yes to Jesus. That you want him to be Lord, Savior of your life.
0: That concludes this week's message from Brother Mack. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon-series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world.